Welcome back to Informed and Inflamed, where we seek to inform our minds with truth in order to inflame our hearts with love for God and neighbor. I'm Brad Owens, and I'm excited that you're joining me today for another episode. In this episode, we will finish the word cracker in our Cracker Jack acronym, which means we'll be talking about the second R, and it stands for return. Remember, this acronym helps us unpack the big story of the Bible by giving us some handles to hold on to as we walk through the big narrative of God's redeeming grace in Scripture. Cracker summarizes the story through the period of the Old Testament, and the last letter, R, gets us into the return from exile. If you remember from the last episode, though, the northern kingdom of Israel went into exile to Assyria in the year 722 BC, and the southern kingdom of Judah went into exile to Babylon in the year 586 BC. There was a shift in superpowers while the Israelites were in exile, and the Babylonian empire falls to the Persian empire. So in 539 BC, the Persian king, King Cyrus, He declared that Jews were allowed to return to Jerusalem to begin working on rebuilding the temple. So under Ezra's leadership, a number of Israelites returned to begin this important work. And the rebuilt temple is completed in 515 BC. So those are just some important dates from this period of redemptive history. But if you're interested in reading the books of the Bible that cover this important period of Old Testament history, you would read the historical books of Ezra and Nehemiah, And you would also read the prophetic books of Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. These are the prophets who proclaim God's message to God's people when they came back from exile. It can be helpful to think about this phase of Old Testament history, though, with these two phrases, the failure of God's people and the future of God's people. The failure of God's people, it's in the background of this period during which some of the Israelites returned to Jerusalem to rebuild it. They went into exile because of their persistent disobedience. They failed to turn away from their sins and to trust in the Lord. And as a result, the Lord disciplined them through the exile. So we need to keep in mind that the failure of God's people is the dominant backdrop to this period of Israel's history. The failure of God's people is the negative side of this season of redemptive history, but the future of God's people is the positive side. Even though Israel failed to respond with repentance and faith to God's word of warning, God still gave them hope of a better future beyond the exile. In the darkness of exile, there was still the shining light of hope that God gave them through his promise of a future for God's people. Exile would not be the last word. There was still hope for those who belonged to God. Listen to Jeremiah 46, just two verses from Jeremiah 46, and how these two verses mingle together the disciplinary nature of the exile and the hope beyond the exile. So this is Jeremiah 46, verses 27 and 28. God says to Israel, But fear not, O Jacob, my servant, nor be dismayed, O Israel, for behold, I will save you from far away and your offspring from the land of their captivity. Jacob shall return and have quiet and ease, and none shall make him afraid. Fear not, O Jacob my servant, declares the Lord, for I am with you. I will make a full end of all the nations to which I have driven you, 
but of you, I will not make a full end. I will discipline you in just measure, and I will by no means leave you unpunished. In these verses, God tells Israel through the prophet Jeremiah that he will discipline them, but that he will not make a full end of them. Instead, he will save them from far away, from the land of exile. They will return, it says, and have quiet and ease, and none shall make Israel afraid again. One remarkable thing that sticks out as you read through the biblical books that are a part of this period of redemptive history is that the hope promise was too glorious to have been realized yet. There was partial fulfillment. They did return from exile, as God promised. But after they returned, they never experienced the level of glory and goodness that God promised would be their future hope. This is important because sometimes God's promises are partially fulfilled for a while before they are fully and perfectly fulfilled. There's a partial shadow that continues pointing God's people to the perfect reality that is still to come. And that's what happens in this period of Old Testament history. The full realization of these prophetic promises still await the end of history when all of God's people are gathered together into one and enter finally and fully into God's presence and the inheritance he has prepared for them, which is the new heavens and the new earth. That is where we will enjoy him for all eternity. And the joy that we will experience will be so deep and so full that we cannot even imagine it now. This is our ultimate hope, that we will enjoy God's presence forever, and he himself will satisfy our hearts. Because of him, we will enjoy perfect holiness of heart, and we will experience happiness beyond anything we've ever dreamed of. The exile and return from captivity in the Old Testament is a small picture of the ultimate exile that humanity has experienced and the hope of return offered to us in the gospel. The exile from the land of Canaan, as well as the exile from the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3, are both pictures of the ultimate exile of being driven out of God's presence because of our sinfulness. God is holy, and we are not. We don't deserve to be with him. What we deserve is to be cast out of his presence forever. The ultimate exile is about losing the joy of God's presence because of our rebellion against him. And that's where we all deserve to be and to stay, outside of God's circle of fellowship and blessing. But God, those are some of the most glorious words in the Bible. In Ephesians 2, after verses 1 through 3, paint a dark and gruesome picture of humanity separated from God. Verse 4 begins with those two words, but God. Left to ourselves, we are dead in sin, but because of God's grace, we are made alive with Christ when we trust in him. Left on our own, we would be exiled from the presence of God for all time, but Christ came to pave the way for our return. 1 Peter 3 verse 18 says, For Christ suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, so that he might bring us back to God. You see, Jesus lived for us, He died as a substitute for us, all so that we might be welcomed back into fellowship with God. Access had been denied to God's presence because of our sin, but access is granted again through the perfect obedience and sacrifice of Christ. So the way this period points us to the gospel is certainly the most important, but we also learn several other lessons from this moment in Israel's history. First, we learn about the need for faithful, godly leadership. The leaders of God's people, the priests and the kings, 
They had become sickeningly corrupt before the exile. Priests, instead of teaching God's people the truth and protecting them from idolatry, they led them headlong into disobedience and defiance of God's holy and good standards for how to live and how to worship him. The kings, instead of being godly examples to their subjects and administering justice in their kingdom, they allowed all sorts of idolatry and injustice to grip their hearts and the culture of their kingdom. Ezra and Nehemiah, while not perfect leaders by any means, they led the people in true worship of God, in obedience to his word, in humble confession of their sins, and in rebuilding what had been lost because of their sin. So we see from this period of Israel's history just how important faithful and godly leadership is. Faithful leaders, of course, still have failures and weaknesses, but they faithfully point people to God's word of hope found in the gospel of Christ crucified. This has such important lessons to teach us for how we lead in our homes, in our churches, in our workplaces, and in society as a whole. And second, we learn about the centrality of worship. The first thing the Israelites did when they returned was to rebuild the temple. The special place of worship was reconstructed and sacrifices were offered there once again. Every single human being is a worshiper at their very core. We all worship something. We put something at the center of our lives and everything we do flows out of and revolves around that supreme thing. The question is, what have we put at the center of our lives? What governs our lives and our decisions? As a Christian, we know what the right answer should be. The problem, though, is how quickly and how often our hearts are pulled in a different direction. Because of the corruption of our hearts, we so often find bad things desirable. We want what we want, when we want it, and sometimes we don't care what God says about it. So the Christian life involves waking up every day and praying, Lord, please help me put you at the center of my life today. May you be the king who sits on the throne of my heart throughout this day. And third, this period of history teaches us about the power of God's word to change us, and the necessity of repentance. As they rediscover the word of God, the people of Israel are broken by it as they confess their sins and acknowledge the reasons why they were sent into exile to begin with. They had disregarded God and his good and gracious instructions for how to live life well in his world. And they experienced the consequences of that defiant disregard. But now, after having experienced the tragedy of exile, they embrace a fresh resolve to put God's word at the center of their lives together as a community. They decide to submit themselves to it and seek to obey it because they know God's ways are good. This, of course, requires repentance. Repentance and faith are two sides of the same coin. True saving faith is always accompanied by repentance. If someone professes faith but repentance is not existent, their faith is in question because true faith always repents. Repentance is turning away from sin, and faith is turning to Christ to trust him alone to make us right with God and to satisfy the deepest longings of our hearts. When we first come to faith in Christ, a trajectory of turning and trusting begins. Turning away from sin and trusting in Christ becomes a daily responsibility that we embrace. And again, we stumble and fall and mess up continually, But by the Spirit, we get back up and keep moving in the direction of Christ and of obedience to Him.
So needless to say, the period of the return from exile in the Old Testament has so many important lessons to teach us. May God give us hearts that respond with great sensitivity to God's word, and may our lives be brought into greater and greater alignment with God's good and holy law as we seek him throughout our days. God is faithful, and he will help us do this. Well, that's it for this episode of Informed and Inflamed. Thanks again so much for joining me, and I look forward to connecting with you again next time.